Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to have everybody with us this evening. Uh, missing quite a few this evening, but we are still here together. This evening, we'll pick up where we left off this morning, uh, Revelations chapter 2. I'll do a quick recap, and then we'll go into the second part of the message. I'd like you to remember, continue to remember my brother and sister-in-law, um, and, and dealing with issues that she's having with her pregnancy, so remember her, Amanda and Kyle Lally, and uh, of course the baby's name is Olivia Grace, right? So this evening, um, remember those of our number that are out. Remember Wayne, Sister uh, Shirley and Brother Wayne, and remember Sister Jean and Joe as uh, Joe continues to heal from surgery. Uh, so remember the the Browns, and, and of course Sister Andy. Uh, remember Tony and Tammy. Um, Tony, Tammy, you've had travel with their family down to uh, Gulf Shores and to Pensacola to be with Priscilla and Roger there and their family. Uh, let's remember. Uh, Sister Rhonda, too, as uh, she's moving down there and the various things that she is having to deal with. And remember her daughter, Liddy, and their, her new grandbaby, as well as uh, Addie. Also remember um, Brother Dennis as he travels to El Paso this week for work. So uh, got a fairly a lot of movement this week. Remember my family, uh, especially my wife tomorrow. She has a, an appointment, so remember her. And uh, then uh, also be praying for our opportunity to talk to those folks and and the community that we would like for um, like to see come to serve the Lord. So um, lots of things to be praying about this evening. So we'll start with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your many blessings, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together, Lord, to, to look into your word, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to do your work, Lord, and that you would help us, Lord, to be mindful of the things which cause us to struggle in your service, Lord, that we would remove those things which cause us harm in, in our service. We ask that you would, uh, again, forgive us what we fall short of each day, and Lord, we pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters wherever they are. Lord, and that we would be an example and a light unto others in the community that we live in. All these things in Christ's name we ask. Amen. Well, again, this evening we'll uh, be back in the book of Revelations. Uh, of course, we've spent the last two Sundays looking in the book of Revelations in the second chapter there. Uh, of course, part of this is addressing the letters to the church at Asia Minor. Uh, the writer here, of course, is... Delivering a message from Christ to the churches there and uh, the things that he has concerning the churches there. Of course, we talked about this morning, our, our focus is verses 18 through 29 to the letter to the church at Thyatira. We'll read that again just for a recap. It says unto the angel of the church at Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes likened to the flame of fire, and his feet are like brass. I know thy works and thy charity, thy service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. 
Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, that thou sufferest the woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat of things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent and for her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her out into the bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation expect that they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with the death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say that unto the rest of Thyatira as, as, has not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, and I will put unto you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give the power over the nations. And he that shall rule over them with the rod of iron, as a vessel of potter, shall they be broken to shivers. And even as I receive unto my, uh, of my father, I will give him the morning star. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So this is what we read this morning regarding the church at Thyatira. Of course, addressing there the prophetess Jezebel that it mentions. I mentioned also that the text is typically highly symbolic. Of course, we know that it was veiled for the time because they, it was an underground pamphlet. They didn't want it to be uncovered by the Romans um, that, they, that they were writing here. But of course, we know that this particular message is Christ addressing the church here at Thyatira. And his message to them was regarding this allowing this prophetess to be um, given some power and to lead people away into idolatrous worship and to the eating of things offered to idols. So, of course, we covered Jezebel this morning and what Jezebel was in the Old Testament, but it seems that this might have been potentially a person in the present at that time when he was writing. That was a false witness that inter intermingled a paganistic religion with the church. The writer here stressed that, uh, of course, Christ speaking, he's about leading others astray. We know this by looking at the examples in the, in the Old Testament in 2 Kings that Jezebel that was written over there was a very deceptive and very manipulative person and used her gain to manipulate whatever she could out of others. But to her own chagrin, of course, we know that she eventually died. Of course, the same thing here are the, is threatened that this woman would be, whoever commits adultery this, with this woman would be cast down uh, on a bed of sickness, except they repent of their deeds. So, again, we talked about no, uh, no idolatry worship or observance was allowed in the church that those that committed themselves in this, into the body of Christ would appropriately conduct themselves and observe the ordinances there uh, of the Lord's Supper. We read over in 1 Corinthians, that was something that they had talked about. And they couldn't both partake of the doctrines of demons and the doctrine of the Lord. So, couldn't serve two masters. So it would be a violation of the sanctity of our relationship with the Lord. And that, of course, he said over there in Church Corinthians that not all things edify, so be careful what you do. So Acts chapter 15 is where we'll, where we'll turn. Read this in our study in Acts with Brother Ed on Sunday mornings, which we just finished up.
and read this in our study in Galatians because it tied right in with our study in Galatians. But has applicable uh, meaning to what our, we're covering this evening. Acts chapter 15 and verse 23 says, and, it wrote, and, and they wrote the letters of them after this manner, the apostles and the elders and the brethren send greetings unto the brethren which are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard, and certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom you have no such command. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord and have chosen men among you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazardous or have hazarded their lives to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you the great greater burden than these things necessary, that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled, and from fornication, and from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So when they were dismissed, they had went, came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle. And which when they had read, they rejoiced in, with the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets among them uh, also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, and that many others also, and some day after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go and visit our brethren in every city, that we may preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose name was Mark, but Paul thought not it good to take them with him, who departed from them at Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And this contention was sharp between them, and they departed asunder from the other. And so Barnabas and Mark sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, and became, uh, being recommended of the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So I read a little more than what we did, but it tied out, it ended out the chapter there. But the admonition from the church there, or the council there at Jerusalem to the churches, there at Iconium and, of course, Cilicia and Antioch and Syria, those brethren in there, the contention was it's, it's not for them not to uh, be esteemed in, in worship that was under the old law. And also he goes on to cover something else that they needed to cover. Abstaining from meats offered to idols and from blood, things strangled, and from fornication. What's that mention of fornication there? Let me use the American Standard, uh, New American Standard Version. Look at this word. <clears throat> it's mentioned there in chapter uh, 15, verse 39. Excuse me, not verse 39. Verse 29. <clears throat> word abstain there we'll look at first (laughs) 
It's ap ekomai. Means to hold oneself off or abstain, to keep oneself or to refrain, to exercise self-restraint. So to exercise self-restraint or abstaining from these things that were offered to idols. He says, keep yourselves. Keep yourselves from. What does that mean? Look at that as well. I think it's important for us to know the context of which we're reading. Of course, sometimes the words and meanings have changed over time. That word there, the atario, which means to watch thoroughly, to observe strictly, or to avoid wholly, to keep. So avoid, guard yourself from such things. What is this fornication they were talking about? This was transgressing what the Lord had set forth, whether it be through commingling of religions or whether it be offering, eating these idle sacrificed meats. The letter here was for them not to partake of such things. Why? Because it was against the command the Lord had put in their hearts. Jesus would not approve of such things. The law had been fulfilled, not negated, but fulfilled so that they would not have to do such things. But by faith, they might be able to do the things which the Lord had called them to do, which was to preach and to teach the word of God. And that people would repent and change their ways, kind of like we talked about this morning. And what's mentioned over in Revelations chapter 2. So the whole premise behind this was abstention from idol worship and sacrifice that was example there in such a way that what was desired for the assembly at Thyatira was that they not tolerate the immorality that was present there, whether that be sexual in nature related to idol, uh, you know, the brothels and things that they moonlighted as religious occupation, a religious intermingling between pagan and Christian beliefs, which we know happened according to the Nicolaitans there, and eating those things which were set aside for other gods. Scripture actually says, our God is a jealous God and he demands what of us? Obedience and faithfulness. Love. Commingling those things is not love. It's falling after another type of, of doctrine, which the scripture warns us about. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter three, and we'll start in verse twelve. It says, "Look for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens, being upon fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." Looking, uh, and nevertheless, we have, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless. What does that mean? Abstaining from fornication, abstaining from idol worship, abstaining from things that are not accepted of God. What's the teaching in that? What Paul was teaching him about offering of sacrifices and these false gods, which we talked about this morning, we mentioned hedonism, which is the following after a pleasure. 
that was the direction which the Lord had set forth, was that we not give in to the flesh, but rather give up of ourselves to please our God, to be a pleasing, acceptable sacrifice like it mentions over in Romans. That's what God asks of us. He goes on there. He says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found in him without spot and blameless. Diligent meaning... Diligent meaning that be that we be continuously searching. He says, And they count that the suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, that which are some things hard to be understood, which they are to the unlearned and un- unstable. <clears throat> Rest as they do also the other scripture unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that ye have these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away by the error of wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to him be glory both now and forever and ever. Amen. Peter's desire was for them to also look into the understanding of the accounts that Paul had provided. He says, some of these things are hard to understand, but he says, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They wrestle with it as they do also the other scripture under their own destruction. That's a difficult thing for us to ponder, isn't it? But we have to be diligent looking for these things and, and seeking, encouraging one another. Helping one another when we see the error of our ways. Looking at Donna, but the purpose of purpose of spouse is to we enter a marriage where this we call it puppy love when we're dating or when we're you're newly married. You call it newlywed love. But as you grow in your marriage, you understand. But that love changes. You develop an understanding or you see your lack of understanding and you're like, okay, I can't keep acting like this. I can't keep doing this. Sometimes you learn by mistake. Sometimes you learn by doing something intentionally and your spouse goes, that's not what you're supposed to do. The important the important thing is is that you encourage one another not to do those things and how you encourage them. You encourage them by putting on Christ. By looking at what Christ would find acceptable. I mentioned the conversation I had with a couple of college students this week and one of the things that they found that they found that was difficult is why are we in this situation? Why does everybody act like they do this day and age? I've some heard some people say that it's the younger generation coming up. It's their fault. I've heard the other side of that conversation where the younger generation says, we learned this from our parents. And we want to do better. We want to be better. Or you have a thought or an idea in the scripture 
It's not there. Heard it. Seen it. Popular thought on that is corporal punishment. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Discipline doesn't always come from a forceful swat or a spanking. Discipline comes by setting a rigorous standard for what is accepted. What happened with Israel when they disobeyed God in the Old Testament? What did he do? Sometimes the punishment wasn't always physical, was it? Sometimes it was. This is the consequence for your action. I.e., we have David. What was the consequence for David's infidelity in his marriage? He desired another man's wife. He had multiple marriages, so we know this. But when he desired the man's wife and he put him out of the front lines and he drew back the troops and he died, he wanted his wife. But what he didn't realize was that he killed a man. He coveted another man's wife and he killed him. He took that wife. What happened? What's the scripture saying? He lost the child that they had together. They had more. But the Lord said, your life and your child is required. That's pretty harsh. David prayed and sought the Lord's guidance that maybe he might spare the child's life, but still the child's life was required. And what did he say? When he got up and he heard that the child had died, he brushed himself off. He went on and he ate. And he glorified the Lord. He honored the Lord God rather than blaming him for losing the child because David knew it was his fault. The Lord put the law for a reason to, to give some guidance. And oftentimes, like a double-edged sword, it can cut as well as defend. It produced some results there, didn't it? David understood, I can't do this. He learned from it. The same thing here is that the application is, is that sometimes we have some misunderstanding or some misapplied logic to what Scripture actually says. Some people take it for forceful spanking and some people take it for that. Not every person is the same in regards to how you deal with them and discipline them. But the fundamental is still the same. You set the boundaries and you set the, the groundwork for what's acceptable and what's not. That's the intent of the letter that Christ wrote to the churches there was to say, hey, this is not acceptable. You tolerate Jezebel, but I reject her. She was offered an opportunity to repent. She rejected it. So guess what? Anybody that participates with Jezebel will be what? Will pay the consequence. Oh no, say it ain't so. Yes, God loves his children, but he expects for them to love them with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
That was the encouragement that Brother Peter was writing here. Was you, hey, you keep this without spot and without blemish, without blame. Follow the epistles, follow these teachings. Time's coming when the Lord's going to reveal Himself, and the Lord, the earth and the heavens as we know it, is going to pass away. The Lord's going to return and establish His righteous rule in this world. Let's go to Romans chapter two. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Or despisest thou the riches of, of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up thou thyself's wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds, and to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and life. Sorry. Wife reminded me I'm reading too fast. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of first Jew and also of Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearer of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentile which have not the law do of nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, of which should the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness that their thoughts, the meaning while accusing or else excusing one another. And the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to the gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew, and retest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And, the art, and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, and light of them which are of darkness, and instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou arborest idols, and dost thou commit sacrilege? And thou makest thy boast of the law, and thou breaking the law dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles through you. And as it is written, for the circumcision verily provided that thou the law, though the law, be kept. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made of uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteous of the law, shall not a circumcision be counted as circumcision? Shall not uncircumcision by nature fulfill the law, judge thee? Who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? 
For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is it the circumcision, which is outwardly the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. God is impartial. That's what the scripture is talking about here. Whether Jew or Greek. What's he talking about? So you boast these things, you teach these things, but guess what? Do you steal? Do you commit sacrilege? Do you do you, do you worship idols? Do you dishonor God God by breaking the law? Do you have circumcision? Does that make you bound? <laughs> or circumcision unbound? But he goes, what? He says, that's that's not the matter here. But the point there he says there in verse four. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Don't condemn somebody for what they're doing, making yourself puffed up and more righteous than them. Don't participate in that duty, excuse me, that action, not duty. Unless he says what? After thy hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. He says, but them that are contentious do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath. That ought to scare us. It ought to strengthen our faith in the Lord. That he renders unto man a just judgment that no man can do. It's quite opposite from what Jezebel was teaching him. It's okay. You can do whatever you want. You can enjoy these things. You can participate and still be okay. And that what the Nicolaitans said... Deeds in the flesh have no rendering on what your salvation is. That's pretty scary. In what reality can we do what we want to and get away with it and not pay the penalty for our just action or our unjust action? God's impartial. He renders to each according. Without prejudice. Without bias. But Paul here writing to the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and brethren there at the church at Rome said what? For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision that is of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is it not of men but of God. So, unrepentant and unstable, not obeying the, God, uh, the teaching of God that he mentioned over there of those who were disobedient. What was their what was their just deserts? You do not. You, we, we we don't get the opportunity to to pass judgment on anybody. It's not our job. It's God's job. 
But nonetheless, we know what the scripture says. They received the just they received justice for their actions. Their disobedience received a reward. Ten amounts what they did. Which was judgment. Luke 16. Luke 16. Just a few short verses there. He says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for thou which has highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets wherein unto John, since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tittle of the law to, fall, to fail. Whosoever putteth away... Excuse me, I'm read a little too far there. I want to read this real quick out of the New American Standard Version. If you'll bear with me just a moment. Compare these two texts here. 15 through 17, chapter 16 of Luke. says, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. And the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, and then the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter of the law to fail. Hmm. That phrase there, forcing their way. without God how that that seems to be forcing our way into something seems to press or to suffer violence it means to use force to press towards something or take by force implies uh, of course here the concordant strong course says it applies the eagerness in which the gospel received to agitate the state of men's minds of course here we see that he says they're trying to vigorously force their way into it that's not how it's happening. You don't get it by brute force. He says, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. Ouch. That ought to hurt. See people that puff themselves up and make themselves look something or not. Avoid that. That's what he's talking about. That which is highly um, esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. We ought to be careful what we what we can give credence to. After all, look back over there. She says, "I." He says, "I gave her time to repent, and she did not want to repent of her immorality. She was puffed up and ready to go. She didn't have. She's like, I'm. I'm good." He goes on there down two more verses in chapter 2 of Revelations and says, I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to him each one of them according to his deeds. Matches verbatim almost what, what he said over there. God knows the hearts and for that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. You seek to justify yourselves. 
You're trying to force your way in the kingdom. But what did you do with it when you were given it? In the teachings of Jezebel, the church there was warned that they were tolerating Jezebel. They were tolerating this act of immorality. Our heart and our minds will condemn us. I will give to each one according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest of you, there are thyroid tower who do not hold the teachings which you have known from the deep things of Satan, and they call them, I place no other burden on you. He says, the ones that haven't done this, you're not going to have that burden. Nevertheless, hold fast till I come. Keep doing what you're doing. Those folks that are not sold themselves or not burden themselves with the toleration of Jezebel's habits and teachings there leading away Jesus' followers there. Pharisees over in Luke chapter 16 were being taught by Jesus. About what? How to properly serve the Lord talked about serving God men. He says you can't serve two masters. Previous verses preceding that. But the Pharisees laughed at him. They scoffed at it. What he said. Talking about serving God and mammon. You can't do it. You can't be entrusted. You can't can't handle it righteously. Then You can't be entrusted with that. What was he talking about? Not being upfront about how we handle things. He was talking about money and things there. If you can't handle that rightly, then my goodness, what can you be entrusted with in the Lord's kingdom? The purpose and intent there was to get their attention and show them, hey, I love you enough that I want you to reach the kingdom. How is it that we understand how, how the Lord would have us to be that we might obtain the salvation he's offered, offered to us? We understand what we shouldn't do. In the case of those Jewish brethren there, they still reveled in what they did and the law and the letter of the law. They missed the most important thing. We needed to have faith in God. Faith in the, in, in the Son of God who was sent to fulfill the law and make a better covenant that we might have a better opportunity and that all men might be reconciled unto, unto God through Christ. The purpose of these letters to the church here in, in, in Revelations was this was the revealing of Christ to them. The expectation. How do they reconcile with Christ? Did it match up? Did it mesh? Were there things off that needed to be set right? Yeah. Church at Pergamon, the church at Thyatira. They had some idolatrous worship as well as probably some of these other assemblies did. But guess what? Lord said he had this against them. He's offering an opportunity to get it right. He says, 
you don't repent, you're going to pay the penalty. You that haven't, keep doing what you're doing. It's nevertheless what I have, hold fast until I come, and he who overcomes will who the deeds, and he who keeps the deeds until the end, to him I will grant authority over the nations. Give authority, rather. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken in pieces, and I have also received an authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. Hmm. And he shall rule. Rule. Poimaino, which means to tend as a shepherd. Hmm. Tend as a shepherd. Talk about under shepherds and over shepherds. Of course, pastors are considered under shepherds. Who's the who's the shepherd? Jesus. He's the over shepherd. He says there particularly for the context to rule and to govern with severity, spoken of Christ ruling with a rod of iron. Rod of iron is hard, unrigid, unbreaking. is final. This is against a potter. It provides that when they use that rod of iron, it's broken to pieces. It's able to be what? Broken into pieces. Broken up. It's not going to be the same again, right? So what's the moral of the story here? What's the moral of the account that we're reading here? It's for us to be obedient to Christ and not compromise our beliefs, our teachings, principles that the Lord has handed down through these epistles here, through these writings of Brother Paul and these other brethren. Set right the things that are not correct in our service to the Lord. It's purpose. We have but one thing to do, to be obedient to the Lord and to do His will. We've all, Obviously, we've committed ourselves to doing such things. So remove the things which, which would cause us to not succeed in our service to the Lord. Place our trust in Him. Ask Him to show us what it is that we're lacking. Letting other things in our door that are not, that compromise the teachings which we find in this book, the written word that we're given. The things that go against the Spirit. Those are the things that we need to remove from our life. We have no place in the assembly of the Lord. But nonetheless, we also have to come together and fulfill what it is the Scripture teaches us to do, to come together and assemble and to encourage one another, strengthen one another, remove those things from our midst which cause us to stumble, to encourage one another when we're struggling in, in our service to the Lord, and to be ever-present and ever-thankful for the Lord, and to look through His Word diligently. It's not what we look through, it's what we look through in the Scripture there. By faith. 
carrying out those things by faith. Without it, we can't do any of these things. In Christ, in the church, the gathering of people, I know I've like a broken record, these things we cannot enjoy unless we're in Christ. We're not in Christ unless we endure and uphold the things which he's continuously showing us through our tutor, the Spirit, through our comforter. That was the encouragement to these churches here was for them to strengthen and continue to, to seek to remove these things which spotted their garments and get rid of Jezebel or any symbols of dealing with her. Well, thank you for your kind attention and for uh, enduring with me through these, uh, this message. Um, hope this has been an encouragement for you. Important thing is, is for us to understand and these these accounts that are mentioned in Scripture, these teachings that are not acceptable to the Lord, and to teach what is right and good. But we need to look to the Lord to provide that knowledge and wisdom, because knowledge and wisdom a man is not going to profit us any. So we'll all stand to be dismissed, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day and we thank you for many blessings. We ask that you would help us to take the word that we've received today, Lord, that we might apply it to our lives and our lives for better service to you. Lord God, we pray that you would disclose our, our hearts and our minds to, to, each, to each of us, Lord, that we might see what it is that causes us to stumble in your service, Lord, that we might strengthen and uphold the word and uh, that you would have us to live in and, and be at a living and acceptable sacrifice before you by faith. We ask forgiveness of these things and all we ask, we ask for prayer for those of our number that are traveling or sick and ailing. We ask for the opportunity to come together and meet again. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.